You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode and this week I am actually recording early. I'm recording on a Thursday evening because we have with us this week Ashley Houston, who is the CEO of Serif Affinity, who have uh, just recently released their uh, designer for iPad. Um, they have, of course, uh, Affinity Photo for Mac and Windows. They have Affinity Designer for Mac and Windows. Uh, they've won awards. And, of course, they have a history stretching back practically to the dawn of desktop publishing. So, welcome, Ashley. Thanks, Simon. Yeah, it's good to be here, mate. All right. Fabulous. And we have the return of Mark. Hello, Mark. How are you doing, mate? Hello. Is this working? Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Well, this has been a while, isn't it? It was just coming back to the old setup in blowing off the dust on the microphone in my... <laughs> In my dingy little podcasting room, it's good to be on the show, Simon. Thanks for inviting me on. No problem. Well, um, obviously, with this uh, episode is going to be an interview with Ashley about uh, Serif and Affinity and uh, a whole load of stuff. So, um, welcome and thanks for coming on, Ashley. Um, first of all, of course, you did last week release the uh, designer for iPad. So. Um, I understand that's gone rather well. So would you like to tell us about that, first of all? Yeah, sure. So we uh, we launched it uh, last Wednesday. Um, we actually did a, like a live event at our uh, um, at our headquarters in Nottingham uh, to launch it. So the, um, the whole event went fantastically well. Uh, we kind of did like a keynote presentation and had quite a party afterwards. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, the, the, the launch couldn't have gone any better. We were number one on the App Store within a matter of hours of launching. Um, uh, Apple gave us uh, editor's choice uh, pretty much straight away on Thursday um, so that kind of gives us a lot more coverage too um, and so far the customer feedback's just been phenomenal I mean the reviews on the App Store are just crazy um, nearly every single one of them are five stars and all the noise online and social people using it um, seem to be loving what we've done so uh, so far so good we're a week in and uh, it seems to have gone really well so far and uh, Mark, you you had a a, a beta, didn't you? Um, Ashley let you have a beta of the uh, yes. of the designer. Uh, me, what did you while, think of it? It took me a little while longer than anticipated to be able to borrow an iPad Pro. But holy moly! Now I am not a designer, Simon. You know this from some of the stuff I've shared. You, I have people that I you know, get to do stuff for me. But it's the first time I've actually gone. I can use this. And what I mean by that is you get some other elemental based programs that are basically watered down and they just really do feel like a, a bigger version of an iPhone app. This is the first time I went, I could actually work on this. Now, what I mean by what do I mean by doing my work? So I've, I've got a little company going on the side that I print cards. I get the artwork in. I can pull a template off the Internet, drop it into uh, Designer. 
get the artwork, drop it in, format it, adjust the text, do all the spacing. Admittedly, yep, not all the fonts are there, but that's not a problem with designer. That's just a problem with uh, iOS in general. Get it sorted out, export it into a Dropbox where the printer can pick it up and go. Now, obviously, there is a little bit of a learning curve, and I at some points uh, I have sort of come and done, but what I found is the response on YouTube from actual proper designers has just been, oh, you can do that. Oh, you can do that. And I've got to say, it's the first ever time I've actually felt like this is a Mac app that's actually been thought about to go onto the iPad rather than, oh, yeah, we should do an iPad app. So kudos to you, sir. Kudos to you. <laughs> Thanks. And yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, um, and I'm not just saying that about I've got the free designer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the big philosophies that we've got when we went onto iPad, and we did exactly the same thing last year with the launch of Affinity Photo, um, is we wanted to do it without any kind of compromise. Um, so our iPad versions literally do have uh, 99% of the features and the functionality of the uh, of the of, of our Mac versions. Um, and I think we we are pretty much the only company uh, to have ever ever really done that. Everyone else has kind of taken the route of um doing sort of smaller you know sort of bite-sized chunks of apps if you like um whereas we wanted to do the 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 full shooting match i mean interestingly the actual back end of the app um uh like the 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 core uh, fundamental engine of the app if you like is actually identical on ipad um and uh and and mac is is no different um the only thing that we've done differently is we've got a different ui layer obviously to uh, to, to make it usable on a touch device, um, but um, the actual back end is exactly the same, and that's why all the features work the same, all the functionality is there, and of course, also there's file compatibility, you know, 100% file compatibility between the Mac version two. And it's blazingly fast. I mean, I'm on a first generation Pro. Mm. And I'm dragging around the screen. I'm on the iOS 11. It's it, it's just absolutely bonkers. And also, this is one of my this has been one of my pet peeves uh, for the longest time. Is that when you resize an image, it actually does a good job of resizing an image. It doesn't make it all blocky or you lose fidelity. I don't know what voodoo you've put in, there, but I just it's very rare that I gush about an app like this. Very very rare, uh, and it just ticks all the boxes. Just out of interest, when you were programming it, did you use Swift or did you sort of stick to C or Objective-C? Yeah, well, a lot of the sort of the, the, the core magic, if you like, was all done natively in C++. Um, so we did that because because that that's the thing that kind of enabled us really to have this core engine that was totally operating system independent. So we can uh, run perfectly on, you know, we can compile it and run it on Windows, on Mac, and on iOS, and that that was always a big, and even you know, in the future we could not necessarily say we'd do this, but in the future we could do Android and you know whatever other operating systems might uh, might might come about in the future. We've kind of got this totally operating system independent uh, back end. Now the front end, i.e. the the UI layer, um, then that is something that we have to do sort of specific for each um, operating system. And yeah, I think for uh, I'm actually not one of the developers, but I think I think that for the iPad version, that that is using Swift. Um, but uh, but yeah, the actual big bulk of the app, I mean, it's eighty percent of it is all C C plus plus. Right, very good. And um, of course, as you mentioned, you did previously you you uh, ported Affinity Photo to the uh, to the iPad. 
mm. uh, with pencil support and and all the rest. And uh, um, if I recall, you almost immediately got um, a gold award, did you not? Was it Apple uh, App of the Year or something? Was that right? Yeah, well, you know, please you brought it up. Yeah, we <laughs> so the end of so we, we actually launched it in June. Um, and in fact, we um, we actually had the opportunity to present. Um, the app at WWDC. Yeah, that's uh, right. I remember that. You, you, yeah. it was on the, you know, featured at the WWDC keynote. So, you know, that's right. That for sure. That's got to be a, a big accolade. Yeah, huge. I mean, actually, you know, one of the things, one of the the dreams, I guess, when we first started, uh, well, we had a couple of things that, you know, would have been great if we'd ever done. And when we first started, was it'd be great to get an Apple Design Award because that's kind of like a really coveted thing. We actually did that in 2015. And then um, the other thing, which we never really kind of thought that we'd get the opportunity to do, was if we could ever get a stage slot on uh, on one of Apple's big big keynotes. And of course, that happened last year um, at WWDC. So that was kind of great. And of course, that gives you just huge exposure and, and everything else that kind of comes along with that. Um, but yeah, then yeah, at the end of last year uh, in December, they did award us app of uh, the worldwide app of the year for iPad. Um, which is a big deal. You know, they've got hundreds of thousands of apps to choose from, right? So, uh, you know, the, the fact that uh, we, we got that accolade was a, was a real big deal for us, for sure. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and, of course, uh, as you say, you know, uh, 2015, you, uh, you know, got an Apple Design Award. Um, I, I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar. I'm sure most of them are, are familiar with the Affinity, but I'm not sure how many of them are, like me, aware that Serif has a history stretching back all the way to the early days of desktop publishing. Um mm. And of course, for many, many years, you were famous for your plus range of products on Windows. So, I mean, you had Page Plus, Draw Plus, uh, uh, yeah, um, Photo Plus, plus. Um, Web Plus. Web Plus. <laughs> so, yeah, that, a whole, you know, a whole catalogue, obviously. Um, yeah. And uh, people on this show know that I have uh, many times mentioned that uh, in my job, I work in, you know, graphic design for print. Um, and when I'm talking or have in the past, you know, been talking to people who are Windows based and are either small companies or non-profits or whatever. And they're saying, you know, what should I use to, you know, I'm trying to do this in Word and it's horrible. And I've always pointed them towards Serif Page Plus and Draw Plus because um, they've always been fabulous product uh, for Windows. So I'm, I've been intrigued, really. What was it like making the change um, to, you know, basically throw all that away, as it were, and start from the ground up? And, and what made you decide to go uh, Mac first with the Affinity range? Well, I guess what it was like, it was, a, it was a, in some ways a, a, a massive gamble. Um, so kind of the history, the history of that was is that about four or five years before we launched Affinity Designer, uh, so we, we launched our first Mac app, and that was in October 2014. Um, a few of our development team basically come come with the idea that they wanted to um, have an opportunity to start from scratch. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, the, the the plus range products, however good they were, we were totally 100% tied to Windows. You know, it, it was basically just going to be uh, an impossible job for us to think about porting those apps to Mac if we ever wanted to do it. It used a lot of Windows libraries, a lot of Windows stuff. So um, that was really kind of never going to happen. Um, but also the apps had started to, frankly, um, creak a little bit. Um, you know, we'd been, uh, it was sort of a lot of, sort of based on, you know, quite an old code base. We'd been plugging in extra features year in, year out. Um, it was becoming quite hard to maintain. 
um, the bugs kept getting introduced, all that type of stuff. So um, we kind of felt like, um, you know, we, we it wasn't the long-term plan to just keep, um, uh, to keep sort of plugging more stuff into that code. We kind of had to sort of rethink it. Um, and the, the main idea was, is that we, we really felt that we wanted to be multi-platform, you know, in, to, to be taken seriously as graphic design apps uh, and not be on Mac, you know, that, that's really not um, doable. So we kind of knew that we uh, needed to, to go onto Mac. Um, and also we kind of felt like we needed to reinvent ourselves in terms of how we are, you know, go about um, in, in terms of, I guess, the target market that we're really kind of aiming for, you know, the old plus range products, um, were, were more suited to, um, you know, very uh, sort of almost one-man band designers or uh, small business uh, users or or, um, or or hobbyists, frankly. You know, like a lot of the examples that we used to use when we market Page Plus was things like um, a poster for the local golf club or your local, um, you know, uh, village fair or something like that. So it was... Uh, almost more positioned towards a bit more of a home use, even though, you know, it had some fantastic, you know, professional functionality. Um, so we also kind of wanted to reinvent ourselves to, to really kind of push more towards the um, true creative professional. Um, and as I say, I think if we were going to do that, we had to be on Mac. Um, and I think also it's kind of important that we um, that we set our stall out and we launched on Mac first too. Right. Oh, excellent. Excellent. And um, obviously, uh, you, you launched Affinity, uh, Designer, uh, then Photo. Mm. Um, now I'm going to ask you a question you probably know I'm going to ask and is going to try <laughs> wishing I wasn't going to ask. What happened to Publisher? What happened to it? What do you mean? Well, um, I believe, as, as I recall, we were promised... Um, we were promised a beta for uh, Affinity uh, Publisher in 2017, and now mm. we're a fair way through 2018, and uh, there still is no beta for the publisher product. Yeah, so it's, I mean, one thing to say, I guess, is that, and I think it's quite remarkable what we've done, you know, we've actually only got uh, 12 or 13 uh, developers. Uh, so that is our entire development team. Um, and, you know, the, the thing is, is that, um, you know, frankly, we, we we had to weigh some priorities. You know, we've always in the background been working on lots of publisher type stuff um, to get ready to, to launch publisher. We've always been working on it, but um, you kind of have to at certain times weigh some priorities in terms of shoring up some of the feature set of the existing apps. In terms of making sure we we had a really strong iPad uh, version, so. Um, you know, these are the things that we're kind of constantly weighing up in terms of priorities and 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 uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I was I was being slightly you know being a bit cheeky there because obviously I know you know building any app from the ground up is not something you just sort of chuck a couple of blokes at for the weekend and there you go. No matter how much experience you've got from you know uh, Page Plus or whatever, but uh, the the reason I ask is because a lot of people in our Slack room and a lot of people that I know uh, through my work. Uh, many of whom are, you know, have uh, moved over to Affinity one way or another. Um, you know, whenever I mention Affinity, there are several people who will say to me, "I'm really, really waiting for the publisher element. Yeah. I really yeah. want the publisher element." Um, particularly since, of course, Adobe went to uh, a subscription model. A, a lot of the people that I deal with are not 
uh, even though obviously I am a full-time, you know, design for print professional, uh, a lot of the people I work to with are either hobbyists or, you know, the sort of people that Page Plus was aimed at in, in that they're part-timers. Mm. Uh, or they, you know, they work in small companies and often, or they're hobbyist designers, whatever. And, you know, they love the affinity range and they just are really, you know, they keep saying to me, what, what do you know, Simon? I said, well, I don't know anything. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything. I've never spoken to uh, Serif, except now I have. But, uh, yeah, you know, I know that, that there is pent up demand for the, you know, for the publisher element to com- to complete the package, as it were. So, yeah. I mean, like, um, one of the things that, I mean, it's, it's without a doubt something that we know is so hotly anticipated. I mean, every single time we put any kind of post on uh, Twitter or Facebook, you know, even like big news, like we've won app of the year um, from Apple out of 300,000 different apps. <laughs> yeah. from those us. The first comment on that post is, well, that's great, but where's publisher? <laughs> so, um, you know, we kind of understand that, but the, you know, there is good news here. You know, we're coming to the end um, of our development here. I've been running publisher personally for the last few months, uh, been actually doing some serious work in it. So I've got an alpha version of it, um, and it is coming together great. And we are uh, now committed to being um, a free public beta by the end of August. So um, we're only a matter of weeks away, really. Um, oh, look at that! See scoop. Scoop, essential Apple scoop. You heard it here first. <laughs> the public so, beta is coming in August. There you yeah. go. So, um, I mean, actually, on our on our site now, there's a there's a section for publisher. Um, so, as long as people have signed up on our mailing list or whatever, because we might end up doing the um, we might end up having to sort of push the beta out in uh, sort of tranches, if you like, um, yeah. to make sure we don't get absolutely swamped with. Um, with any you know issues that there might be on the basis that it's going to be a beta release to start with, so um, for people to actually um, make sure they're kind of first in line, I guess, for that, um, um, and obviously also being comfortable with the fact that it is going to be a beta release to start with, um, then um, then that is something. There's more information on that site about that you can sign up to make sure that you are um, going to be first in line. But yeah, we so we. Looking to start the beta by the end of August and then all being well. And of course, again, it's software development and things can... Things things can all go a bit sideways sometimes. It can, it can. Um, But all being well, we are still very much aiming to launch it proper by the end of the year. Oh, well, that would that is fabulous. Fabulous news. I'm always there to help beta test you and find bugs and then do really weird error reporting. Um, Just just out of interest, when you've been doing uh, the old beta testing and bug reporting, did you find many people use the iOS screen recording thing or did they still go through the way of, oh, well, I clicked on this and clicked on this? Did, Did you get many videos using screen recorder? So... Uh, well, so when we launched Affinity Photo, RC11 wasn't, wasn't available. Um, so, um, and while there was ways to do screen recording, obviously no one really kind of knew how to do it. So um, for Affinity Photo, when we um, sort of had some testers on that, there wasn't any um, uh, uh, real, real screen recording going down. But actually when we did Affinity Designer, we did something a little bit different, actually. We, we kind of enlisted the help of... Um, around 40 or 50 top artists and designers for the for the main bulk of the beta sort of process, if you like. So 
this was for about the last three or four months of, of development. Um, and we actually very much encouraged them to record their screens with uh, IC11 uh, to, uh, to show us, um, you know, uh, if, if there was any kind of bugs or a crash or, or some other kind of issue, uh, obviously having a screen recording is, uh, is the easiest way to, <laughs> to, to see exactly what's kind of going on. Um, otherwise, it can be quite hard to describe the, the recipe that causes the disaster. And uh, just coming back to yeah, launching new products, now obviously you know, Simon's already mentioned that corporate overlord of Adobe. How have you found sort of competing against what they are sort of like the giant mono uh, monolith of the publishing and graphics industry? Did you get much sort of pushback from like Adobe users or have you managed to capture them over? Because uh, as Simon said, you know, uh, there's a lot of resistance to subscription based pricing uh, and you can just pay for your app. And that will lead me on to the second question of just how long will you support the app before, you know, the inevitable comes where you you, you do a, a feature update and then you think, ah, this is quite a big jump. Maybe we need to charge because Apple still doesn't do upgrade pricing. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of uh, competing with Adobe, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that, I mean, it was kind of between the point that we actually started developing Affinity and actually releasing it that they switched to a subscription model. You know, we, we didn't know that they were going to do that when we first started out. So um, I, I think that, you know, it has to be said for a company like us that them doing that and then us launching without subscription, uh, kind of doing it in the old school software licensing way, if you like, um, definitely was, uh, you know, a, a, a big thing for us. You know, there was a lot of um, designers, a lot of people in that design community who were getting very, uh, who, who did feel a little bit frustrated um, about being, you know, as, as they kind of felt being sort of forced to take up a subscription. So um, I think that was something that, you know, we, we got a lot of positivity about that, you know, there is actually some, you know, alternatives for for some people, um, and um, the, the, uh, and the basis that it's not a subscription is obviously a, a, a big advantage um, to people. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't. We never really got any negativity, you know. So we didn't really come across any sort of major Adobe fanboys or you know whatever you want to call them, like sort of uh, being in any way um, you know negative towards what we're doing. So all we've really had is kind of positive feedback about about what we're doing. I mean, obviously there's, there's plenty of people who would say, well, you know, we, we don't have this feature or that feature. And, you know, until you do have those things, then, um, you know, for, for their workflows that they can't, you know, make, make any kind of switch or change, you know, change from whatever apps that they're currently using. But, um, but that's still not negative feedback as such. That's just saying, well, you know, uh, it's kind of given us some uh, feedback as to what, uh, what new stuff we should be adding. Well, um, I've got a little story here, Ashley, which will please you mightily, I'm sure. But um, when Affinity Designer uh, first launched, um, there's a guy uh, I know, I won't name him, but um, he was, uh, uh, he's a professional illustrator. He worked for many years, obviously, in Adobe Illustrator. He was uh, uh, Adobe certified trainer. He was, you know, done all the um, sort of every accolade Adobe could uh, heap upon him. He'd had by doing all their uh, academies and, and this, that and the other. Um, 
and when Affinity Designer came out, he, uh, you know, he gave that a go and he was quite pleased. And then uh, Adobe announced um, subscription pricing, which he didn't like. Mm. Um, and then he, he had a problem. He thought he'd subscribe anyway as a long-time Illustrator user. And then he had a problem with his subscription. And when he spoke to Adobe, they as good as accused him of trying to uh, steal their product. So... Right. <laughs> um, he was not best pleased after, you know, 20 years of using Adobe Illustrator to be basically accused of stealing their product. Yeah. Um, and so he went, right, well, effectively, screw you. Um, I'm going to change to Affinity and has done. And uh, is now works, uh, as far as I'm aware, exclusively in designer. Mm. So there we go. Um, yeah. Cool. You know, that's that's good. There you go. Uh, and yes, also, you, you know, as I say, a lot of the people that I know and the people I come into contact with are, um, I'm not saying they're not professionals, but they're not necessarily full-time designers. So, you know, like us as a print company, the cost of two subscriptions to uh, Creative Cloud per month is, is you know, is, is pennies relatively because mm. we're using that to generate income, you know, that mm. feeds our factory with work. But, it, it, you know, if you're a hobbyist or a part-timeist or a charity, then that that's pretty onerous really you start thinking about paying out 40 50 pound a month that's quite a lot of money and uh you know that one one month's subscription will buy you you know affinity photo or um designer um you know so i do know a lot of people have taken that route and they've changed over to affinity for that reason well i'm, I'm exactly the in this in that boat because i before you put me onto it i was having to go all sorts of hacks to try and do pdf layout and stuff like that and to go oh you know what i'll plop down the money for this and it's just been absolutely worth it and here i am being a fanboy again <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've got to say like it um you know while of course people are making some decision to uh, sort of adopt affinity for um for for pricing reasons i mean um, and of course you know that's uh that is part of what we're about, we, we kind of price our apps what we think is a, uh, a you know, a sort of fair and reasonable price, and we uh, and, and we we don't do a subscription model because that isn't something that we necessarily believe in. So uh, there's that kind of part of it, but genuinely for us, it's uh, also very important and uh, probably more and more so moving forward that we actually feel that people are making the decision to use our apps because um, they feel it provides a better workflow for them. Um, it uh, uh, perhaps uh, works faster for them. Um, and I think that, you know, certainly when we launch Publisher, uh, we're hoping, you know, one of the the big philosophies that we had when we first started was that we had um, obviously sort of uh, cross-platform apps, um, but also a shared file format between all of our apps. Um, and so... We, we definitely recognize that a frustration with um, studios or uh, even sort of cor big corporations and, and whatever is that um, uh, if, if people are working on Illustrator and Photoshop and InDesign, um, it, there is no shared file format as such. So lots of times work has to be flattened and exported um, and uh, change is lost. Um, and... What what we're going to be doing, and I think it makes a lot more sense when we've got publisher in the mix as well, is that, of course, the file format is identical. So if you've got a design that's been created in Affinity Designer and you drop that into your page layout in Affinity Publisher, 
you can still access the all of the layers, all of the components of that uh, design that's been created in Designer. Or indeed, if someone's done some editing on an image in Affinity Photo, it's got some adjustment layers on, for example, or um, some masks or, or whatever it might be. Again, when that's brought into Publisher, all of that uh, information, if you like, is still going to be available apart from the fact that you don't have the step of having to export into some other format or whatever before you do it so um so we've always felt that you know when we have this suite together and definitely i think publisher is the um is, is almost the glue that kind of sticks it together um that that kind of advantage of workflow that hopefully people will see then that they will want to be using affinity just because of that yeah, irrespective so that, that- no, that sounds fabulous, actually. That really does. And I know, as I say, a lot of people are waiting for the publisher. And I think that is because although sometimes the um, page layout applications, um, I'm not saying they get overlooked because, you know, there are plenty of page layout applications out there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I think uh, photo editing is obviously, you know, your Photoshop uh competitors or photoshop like apps you know there is a big range of those available um and obviously there are an awful lot of photographers in the world everybody's a photographer really of some level and so you know the ability to take their pictures and sharpen them and rotate them and brighten them and all those sort of things um there are less people who do vector drawing i admit but um in the end on the whole most of those elements if if you're if you're doing any sort of you know print publishing or assembly or even to some extent uh web design you have to have a way to you know you have to have a pot that all these things go into in the end mm. and and that is you know to, i know it's my trade so therefore i uh, you know i'm i'm very interested in in you know uh page layout applications sort of collecting uh anywhere between you know cheap ones odd ones weird ones it's a bit of my hobby but um yeah. no uh i think and also you know people think of that as a set don't they they think right you've got your photos you've got your vectors and then you've got your page layout and that is your triumvirate really um and i yeah i'm really looking forward to it i really am and i know loads of people my macintosh user group i can't tell you how many people there mention whenever i mention affinity I really can't wait for them to bring out the page layout package. So yeah. it's just fantastic. On the going back to um, excuse me, going back to designer. What would you say has been your landmark feature and the one that was most fun to sort of develop for? What what's the sort of the thing that makes you smile inside when you go, "Yep, that was a, that's a good move." Um, I mean, I think without a doubt, the thing that makes me smile the most about designer is the fact that you can zoom to like. 20 30 million percent <laughs> um, and it just it's just a crazy thing and, and like, it, it's one of those things that whenever you demo it um, or you show it in a video or whatever literally um if you're if you have an audience you can actually li- literally see their you know jaws drop it's one of those uh just just a winning thing to be able to kind of show um so the facts that we kind of and again i'm not a developer so i can't but um, the fact that right from the very start in the core, uh, the uh, I think it's something to do with floating points or something or other, but um, the the accuracy that was built in uh, from the start um, on that side of things um, was the reason that we can achieve something like that. I mean, one of the developers has had previous experience with um, you know 
uh, a lot of previous experience with like CAD software, you know, and stuff like that, where you have to be pinpoint precision uh, with uh, with stuff. So um, that was a decision that they made that we that we had that level of uh, precision. But the ultimate result for me is that when I'm doing a demo. I can just keep zooming in and in and people are going, wow, that's just amazing. So um, that's probably my favorite thing of designing. Yeah. I was going to say one other uh, feature that I really like is you seem to have nailed uh, people like me with the shapes that when you're, um, how, do you, how do you explain? So you touch on the screen and when you're zoomed in, because you can't see what's directly underneath your finger, you get like a little magnifying glass pop up in just the right space. But not only, which is, you know, there, there are other apps which do it. But what I really like about this is um, when you take your finger off, you seem to have jitter correction down to a T. I mean, the best example I can think about this is in Google Photo Scan, where you scan a picture and it comes out really nice. But if you want to refine the edges, you tap on the edge but when you take your finger off because your finger can wobble side to side you lose that pinpoint accuracy yeah mm. whatever magic you're doing you can just go there you tape your finger off and you're not going god oh, god damn it i've just spent five minutes trying to get that perfect pixel uh and it, it sort of it just hangs just there uh, that's also one of the features i really like and i'm sure there are designers screaming out me out there going but what about this feature? But what about that? But I can only speak from you know the experience of a. Uh, well, I suspect, Mark. I, I suspect that the, that the uh, the way that it does that uh, is probably tied to exactly what Ashley was talking about. The fact that the um you know the floating point is down to ten decimal places or something, um, so that the you know the jitter is <laughs> it, it's allowed. You know, you've got plenty of room to work out how what's jitter and what isn't. It's it's interesting actually um, that. As I said, when we were, when we were developing a designer, we 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 had the help of quite a lot of artists, and and one of the big things that we really worked with them on was in precisely how the app behaved in exactly the type of position that you just uh, described, Mark. And um, it's there's lots of variables that we can play with, um, and all of them have some kind of compromises. You know, when you're working with touch, so. Yeah, you absolutely want to make sure that when a finger is released, you kind of need to ignore the last couple of things that that finger did, because yeah. as you said, it's kind of had some jitter. But then there is a compromise to that, because that means that you, you're always kind of, uh, you know, it can then add some lag into what you're doing, because you're almost kind of waiting uh for for it might only be like a, a few milliseconds, but you're always kind of waiting. Whatever action you're doing, is this guy going to release his finger, right? And is that and is that the end of it? Um, so you kind of have to do a bit of a balancing act with all of these things. But it is genuinely stuff that we put a lot of work in, um, and so I'm pleased that you've noticed it. Oh, um, definitely, yeah. And yeah, and it's also one of those things. That I'm sure. There's a lot more work to be done as well. Um, it's, it, you know, we'll be constantly improving in, in, you know, all of that kind of area of how people interact with touch, and of course with pencil too, um, because it's all kind of new. You know, there's no uh, sort of white paper on uh, all the best practices of how to do this stuff. Uh, you know, we're, we're 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 kind of having to learn by experience, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's almost one. I mean, what this has sort of done, like you saying that you've gone out and gotten artists to actually 
you've got people to use it rather than being a bunch of very, very clever engineers. And believe you me, I've seen some fantastically clever engineers, but geez, does their front end suck. It does give me hope that when, uh, what was it back in WWDC when they say we've got, um, I can't remember, was it a Mac Pro or some software? And they said, right, we've given this to artists, to engineers, to people that are using it in the field, and we're actually watching how they use it. Uh, And if they do half a good job is what you guys have done so far. And like I say, I have only touched the the scratch the the surface. But for some reason, you guys keep coming up on my blimmin' YouTube video. It's like, oh, there's there's an interesting tutorial there, and (laughs) then I lose an hour of my life. I was going to say as well, obviously, um, it came up on on the last show, actually, uh, that uh, Luminar, Alex from, we've had Alex from uh, Skylum on, Mm. talking about uh, Luminar, and uh, and it it, uh, it came up in the last show that uh, your Affinity Photo allows the use of Luminar as a plugin, which it seems to be very popular with people, which... um, uh, yeah, I, I've got to be honest. Uh, uh, does it? I mean, uh... <laughs> yes, <laughs> apparently it does. I was going to ask you, did you work together on that, or is that something, something that just you know has come along through the plugin architecture that Apple enables? Because um, yeah, somebody tweeted it, and then um, uh, you know, somebody else then retweeted it to me uh, because apparently you know, uh, even Alex uh, from Skylum said you know, that Luminar does some things absolutely fabulously, but it's not a Photoshop replacement. So, yeah. um, in fact, he said that himself, he uses a lot of Luminar features as plugins in Photoshop. But, yeah. um, you know, it, I, I was really pleased to see that because it's, uh, I, I think that's, you know, it's great when you get people, you know, independent or smaller companies, if you like, um, you know, with that kind of cross-pollination uh, because that means, you know, you don't have to go away and, redo all the work that luminar do building their you know adjustment tools mm. you know and and build it you don't have to build a lightroom replacement you know inside of uh affinity itself you can concentrate on you know on doing what photos does and uh you know you, people can bring the luminar functionality in if that's what they want to do so mm. you know I, I think that's a i really like that it reminds me in some ways of something probably possibly before your mac days well long before your mac days quite likely uh, and that was open dot which was something that never went anywhere but that was a kind of plug-in architecture mm. yeah i mean it, it's something that so i mean you know at the moment we've kind of got um uh, a certain level of plugin support so quite often plugins that work on photoshop for example will work with us um so perhaps that's what um was coming about with, with that but um it's an area that we know that we we want to open up a lot more so we, we do want to enable um uh, scripting with our apps and for people to effectively be able to write um uh, sort of uh functionality or plugins specifically for um our affinity apps because we know that we can't do it all and and like uh you know very often i mean especially again especially when you talk about uh desktop publishing you know many companies who say use indesign for example or even quark express for that matter if if they're still using that um they'll have a lot of actual custom work that's been done behind the scenes lots of um, scripts and uh, plugins written, and that's very specific to that organisation. Um, and you know, for us to sort of 
ever think of being able to get into that market. Um, you know, we're obviously not going to do loads of custom work for each individual company, but uh, what we do need to do is kind of open up, if you like, open up the back end a bit of our apps and enable other developers uh, to uh, to write stuff that, that that kind of plugs into our core back end sort of technology, if you like. So that's definitely an area that we're um, that we're thinking about, and, and hopefully we'll have some. Um, you know, updates on that side of things next year. All right, excellent. I was going to say, yeah, because um, I don't particularly use uh, a, a, any number of plugins with uh, within design uh, or, or with Quark when uh, back in the day when I worked with Quark. However, I know you know they're depending on what you do. There, there is still a you know a thriving um, ecosystem of specialist plugins for for all those. All those apps, yeah. quite yeah. you know, um, depending on what it is you do. If you do particular types of specialist work, where mm. um, you know InDesign or Quark were not specifically written to do that because they're general page layout applications. But I don't know if you do certain types of work, you know, packaging, for example. I know that there are you know there are plugins available for people who work in packaging that allow them to do things like um, you know uh, model the three D webs. You know, to, so that they can uh, map the, you know, export yeah. uh, visuals of what a, you know, what the box will look like, or all sorts of things, and they can be incredibly specialist. Um, but yeah. obviously, people who do that are not going to move to another app unless they can have that kind of functionality recreated. So yeah, that's yeah. you know, I mean, probably almost one of the more common ones really is that. Um, you know, lots of companies use lots of different asset management systems. You know, where they have all of their imagery and uh, and graphics stored um in you know whatever kind of process and system that they've got for that it's the same for fonts you know people use lots of different font management systems um and yeah you know we're not necessarily going to say that we're going to write uh, specific functionality and integration to all of these different systems ourselves but we do need to kind of open stuff up in such a way to mean that um uh, you know someone else uh, can um so, so yeah. Anyway, that, that's definitely yeah. something. Well, something you know. Looking forward. That's you know. Mm. Yeah. Like like all such things. Um, I I did want to ask you as well, Ashley. Um, because once the affinity, uh, you know, uh, the first two affinity products were established. Um, you did then, of course, in effect, uh, kind of counter to your history, went the other way, and then um, moved the affinity products to Windows. So, mm. um. What was that like? Was that a bit of a strange? Was that a bit of a strange sensation? Really going in the you know um, what? I, it seems like I don't know counterintuitive almost. I'm well, not, not don't get me wrong because obviously there's a perfectly good market on Windows. I'm not dissing Windows from that point of view. I just I wondered what it was like being you know all those years as Windows developers and then kind of going to Mac and then like reversing reversing direction as it were i think what you're trying to say is what version what a platform do you prefer no no not at all. <laughs> well I'll, I'll tell you that too but i think that the um uh so the first thing to say it was always in our minds you know right from the very get-go when we first started developing it, it was going to be cross-platform so for us it wasn't uh you know we launched the mac versions we we did want to be mac first i think that was kind of important for us to um i don't know in some way set our stall out um but uh, I think also we were quite keen to have a, a UI that was more what what Mac people would be used to uh, in some ways rather than uh, Windows. So we felt that was very important to be Mac first. But 
it was, you know, right from when we very first started, we always knew and we always uh, said that we would be, you know, eventually launching on Windows. Um, so while, uh, uh, you know, while of course the the Mac ownership or uh, or whatever in the world is only what fifteen percent or something like that compared with Windows, um, even when you talk about the design community and creative professionals. Um, you're still probably only up to 50-50. So we kind of still knew that launching on Windows would sort of double our sales. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, uh, why would you not? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and that's exactly what it's done. So, um, so yeah, I mean, in terms of what we prefer, I think that, you know, Mac has so many nice things about it. Um, it's in, in, in the, and it's primarily down to hardware, uh, more, more so necessarily than the operating system. But, Obviously, the great thing with Mac is that uh, fundamentally you are working to a discrete number of uh, sort of device specifications. You know kind of every single iMac and every single MacBook Pro um, configuration that's available, whereas Windows, there's obviously millions and millions and millions. People customize their machines and stick different graphics cards in um, and, and whatever it might be. Um, but And I think also because of that, um, what, what it what has you know, it's been far more easy for us to achieve on Mac than Windows has been uh, graphics, graphics acceleration. So, uh, and this is a bit of an operating system thing as well, actually, but uh, obviously Apple kind of give us uh, metal basically to uh, sort of plug into. Um, and that means that we can achieve GPU acceleration, um, I think, you know, in a, in a much more straightforward way than trying to do it on Windows through DirectX and, and, and what's involved with that. So uh, almost certainly, if I was to ask the developers, they do prefer working on on um, on the Mac version for those reasons. Just to ask one question, you did mention something there that I've always, always been wanting to hear. So you guys are actually using Metal. Yes. How? What is that experience like? Because I've been trying to sort of do a bit of research and find Metal-enabled apps. Did you do it? Did you ever like do a benchmark of using uh, OpenCL versus Metal, or was Metal the choice uh, from the start? So no, it wasn't a choice from the start. Um, so we were using OpenCL, um, and I mean, as it happens, we're kind of currently doing a lot more. So on iPad, so first of all, on iPad, everything is very, very metal optimized. We had to do it on iPad um, because you know, so like. Um, many of the photo filters and um, and, and filter effects and, and, and what have you when you're using photo on iPad are all metal accelerated. And in fact, at that point, that was actually achieving speeds for us that was faster than what we could do even on a Mac Pro. Um, so the, all, the, all those kind of effects where you're actually pushing pixels around, like you're uh, applying, a, a say, a motion blur to something or a twirl or a... Uh, sphere effect, um, all of those types of things. When uh, you can take advantage of the of the GPU fully, um, the speed is just just incredible. Um, so when we were first when we first launched Designer on iPad, then uh, actually for the filter effect side of things and, and many of those things that we could sort of hardware accelerate, that was actually giving us better performance than even on a top spec Mac. Um, which was pretty crazy, really. Um, but since then, we've actually been going through and starting to optimize uh, further the the Mac version. And actually, 
you know, we should have an update later on this year that hopefully will be a lot more comprehensively uh, graphics accelerated too. So just to go back to something, so when you were testing on the iPad, you were actually outperforming a Mac Pro. Did I hear that right? Or was I, am I? You heard that right. Yeah, no, you heard that right. So, so when well, Tim is on stage, it isn't just like your typical hyperbole from Apple to say, mm-hmm. you know, this is how fast it is. This is actually, you, yeah, that's actually mind blowing. And yes. that's the thing about the iPad. You look at the shovelware that goes on there. And yes, it's got to be some sort of overhead to sort of like put metal on there, but that's some game. Yeah, I think that there's there's kind of two things really. I mean, the first thing is is that um, while we were getting better performance on iPad than say say a Mac Pro, that's not to say that we um, couldn't achieve better performance on a Mac Pro um, had if we fully optimize everything with metal, um, and, and that's obviously what we're working through now. Um, but it it wasn't as important for desktop to start with for, for, for Mac to start with because actually the speed's pretty good anyway. Um, but on iPad, if you tr- if, if we try to do any of those kind of filter effects without any hardware acceleration, then uh, the speed was terrible. So we kind of had to do hardware acceleration and use metal on iPad um, to get good performance and then it turned out actually it was substantially better performance and we could even get on a desktop. Um, the other thing with iPad actually, which is interesting is the chip architecture is that, um, uh, you know, while of course, you know, even the latest iPad Pro is only three cores and uh, which is the clock speed is a lot lower than what you can get on um, on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a Mac. But uh, the interesting thing is that the, um, the GPU actually shares the same memory as the CPU. Um, and for us, that's quite a big deal because we're often doing operations and we between uh, what needs to be doing done in CPU and then what needs to be done in uh, in GPU. Um, and when when of course the memory is separate, as it is in nearly every desktop machine that there is, um, then it takes time because you have to keep passing information between the the, the two sets of memory. Whereas an iPad is actually all the same memory, so uh, it's totally free. So if you want to to do something uh, in GPU that needs some of that um, memory of, of something that was previously being done on CPU is a f- totally free operation, takes no time at all. Whereas, you know, th- th- there's a cost associated with that um, on, uh, on, on, on desktop. So uh, that's the other kind of cool thing about the way that they've architected the, the chips in, in, in iPad. Because uh, that just sort of brings me on, because I've just been looking today at the Microsoft Surface Go and a lot of the potential reviews, and they're saying, oh, it's faster than the iPad, and then you get the inevitable um, Android tablets, oh, it's faster and it's got more memory. But yet they just don't seem to, but off what you're saying, they're just not going to compare just because of just how well, uh, and probably underrated, I would say, that the iPad's. Uh, is do you think the iPad now with people like yourself coming onto the scene is going to get a little bit more of a maybe a renaissance period or start being taken a little bit more seriously or am I just one of those people that look at it and go well it's not done what I've been able to want it to do so but it's just <laughs> it's just a big browser or Netflix viewer I, I, mean, I hope so I mean at the end of the day it's it's an incredible device and it's an incredible device for creatives in particular you know I think um and there's absolutely there's no reason whatsoever in terms of the 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 power and the hardware that's in in iPad, in particular, of course, iPad Pro. It's under the hood to mean that 
uh, it can't run full-fledged proper pro-end uh, applications and give a fantastic experience and I'd like to think that's what we're doing um, but uh, yeah at what point you know I think you're right I mean there is a bit of a perception of um, that it's still not um, being a, a true replacement for a say a MacBook Pro or you know maybe even one of the higher spec surfaces where, where you can run all your pro applications um, that you're used to um, it, it requires effort from developers that's the thing um, you know the hardware's there you know the iPad is fantastic um, but um, it requires effort from people like us um, to actually uh, put our apps on it because you can't it's not like a surface where it just runs anyway because it just runs windows um even though there's issues there i mean i've got to say like there's issues with say running something like well affinity affinity photo for example or photoshop or any any kind of pro and app on a surface because um the ui is still the same ui as what you have on desktop when it is mostly focused on using a mouse and uh, and not necessarily touch focus so it can be quite frustrating to use uh, any kind of pro in that on a um, you know relatively small form factor um, surface. Um, so the great thing about iPad is that you have the opportunity with iOS to have a really fo touch focused UI and uh, something that, that to make the experience great, um, which hopefully is what we're doing and what we've done. But uh, at the same time, it requires a lot of effort, um, and so I think it is down to developers to, to produce the. Um, you know, professional level apps. Um, and just like I said, there's, there's no restriction from the hardware point of view. I think it's just down to us. Well, I, I think because um, Adobe have finally announced that they're going to do a proper Photoshop for iPad last mm. week, I think. Yeah, finally. But won't be out until 2019, apparently, which could be anything up to another, you know, 15 months away or something. But, um, you know, why has it taken them so long? I just don't think, you know, uh, we were talking about it on the show, and I, well, we just don't think uh, Adobe thought it was worth the effort. Well, it, but, it's like you know, what you're saying, isn't it? The, the iPad market is still relatively small. So it's a, in a way, it's quite a ballsy move to say, right, we're going to do such a major app um, for yeah, the iPad. I, I, I think it's the opposite. I think they were just being lazy. And the, the fact that, you know, uh, Affinity Photo, which is, a full, you know, a full level, um, people like uh, Pixelmator and uh, I can't remember if Sky, no, Skylum don't do an iPad ad, I don't think. But, you know, there are people, you know, putting in the effort. And when that starts to, uh, you know, to bite, I think that's when, you know, Adobe have, have suddenly thought, oh, well, if we don't, if we don't get on there, we're going to we're going to lose prominence because people will start saying, well, if you're working on an iPad, you know, the default choice is Affinity Photo or Affinity Designer. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting thing. I think that, like, you know, the advantage that we were in is, is that because we actually started from scratch, as I said to you. But, uh, yeah, then it's all written in. in yeah, exactly. Towards the start, you know. The, the the back end of Affinity Photo is exactly the same on iPad as it is on Mac, as it is on Windows. And we, and we developed it in such a way to mean that it could run uh, on iPad. Um, so I imagine for Adobe, the back end of Photoshop right now, oh, I wouldn't, I, come close to run on iPad. I wouldn't even like to think, actually. Yeah. I wouldn't like to think. I mean, I'm pretty sure that uh, to a large extent, not necessarily all the way through, but to a large extent, I think you'd probably find that if you disassembled uh, 
a lot of Adobe stuff. It's probably in a similar kind of state to you know the end end stage uh, plus range. In yeah, you know that it's got it's got components going back years, hmm. decades even. You know, yeah. um, so, to reverse engineer that is not you know I'm not I'm you know I might I might, might be mocking them slightly, but I know it's 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 far from trivial. I'm sure. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think the thing that would be interesting to see what 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 happens there is is actually is it just well, so just is it uh, Photoshop and iPad, and it's uh, or is there going to be some kind of rewrite of the of the desktop version at the same time? You know, um, well, it's all speculation. I mean, the information about it's relatively sketchy, so yeah. uh, it's one of those things we'll have to wait and see. You know, it's not something that we're worried about at all. By the way, you know, no, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you're not. It's <laughs> um, you know, no, I I just I think the truth is they did, or should I say, part of the problem. I'm sure it is a huge undertaking. You know, joking aside, but um, mm. I I don't think Adobe really uh, wanted to apply themselves. Um, and I think they may, maybe they took the let's wait and see where the iPad goes. Maybe they um, but you know, ever since the iPad, they've kind of messed around with putting out sort of these sort of piddling half-assed bits of apps, if you know what I like. I mean, they had sort of, well, we, we'll take the, you know, a few core functions from Photoshop and we'll make this Adobe Photo Edit for iPad. Oh, or... That grinds my gears when you see Photo Editor and you go, no, it's not. It lets you do funky little filters, but part of a Photo Editor is let me resize the image. <laughs> that's his uh, yeah don't don't get him started ashley don't don't get him started <laughs> right i'm with you by the way on the microsoft <laughs> surface i've had one for a year and a half now and i've still other than one note yet to find a what i would call a good non-shovely half decent app and this is like two years into you know, having a surface and you're right it's because there's not enough difference between it's just windows but then it's trying to be something that it doesn't really feel like it should be a tablet does that make any sense yeah i mean the the thing with that is is that again like you know it's not necessarily microsoft's fault it's uh the that the, there are routes that developers can take and that certainly say for example we could take to mean that the experience on um uh, if someone's using a uh, whatever a, a 12 inch uh, surface uh, touch device versus a 28 inch uh, monitor on a big you know uh, desktop box um there is stuff that we can you know there are tools that they've that are available to us to mean that we can make a much better touch experience uh on on surface but again it's one of those things that uh takes takes effort so kind of surface has got the advantage in that you can just natively run the same windows app that you can run on your your big 28 inch screen with a mouse but um so you do just kind of get that out of the box but really to make it a great experience um you, again you, as a developer you you have to put a lot of effort into it and it's an area again that we haven't yet done uh necessarily um but it is, is one that we'll certainly be potentially looking to do more of in the future and just one more quick question about development what was your take on the whole marzipan thing where they sort of said oh these apps have been developed using was it the cross framework thing did that excite you at all did that interest you at all or is it still way too early to sort of say anything about it uh i've got to be honest and i'm not sure what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> it 
course, um, WWDC, where they said, oh, these apps were developed for iOS and now here they are running on the Mac. Do you remember ah, that bit? Yeah, I, um, I think that we're going to wait and see how that plays out. I mean, um, you know, for us, it, I, I'm not sure how relevant it is. You know, I think that for us, we, we, we see this real nice hard split between uh, if you're working on Mac, we're kind of assuming you've got a keyboard and a trackpad and a mouse, and we can have a really high density UI that's highly productive. Um, you know, when you've got these other sort of tools available to you, um, and when you're on iPad, um, you want something that uh, takes away less screen space. You know, you've got tabs that kind of dock and float in and out, and you've got um, you know other methods of uh, interacting with it with touch. Um, so. You know, for us even, you know, I could imagine, you know, even if you could run Affinity Photo iOS on a Mac, uh, it wouldn't necessarily be a, a great experience because it, it's all built around the fact that you can touch the screen. So I don't know. I'm sure for some apps it's, it, it, it almost doesn't really matter. But for, for us, when we put so much effort into I the think I, I think the – I'll be honest. I'm pretty sure that the main point of that technology – is going to be to enable some of the the sort of iOS apps that you can get, which are often quite specialist. You know, they're 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 almost widgets in in a desktop sense. Mm. Um, that it's going to allow people to port those sort of things. I yeah, I'm I'm with you. That why would you bother to um you know bring something which is basically touch focused for the ipad and then port that to the to the mac it makes no sense whatsoever unless you know you had to, you'd either have to put in a huge amount of work or it'd have to be a very very uh you know niche product i think but i think the real point of that is more to allow the sort of cross fertilization of of sort of widgety type apps yeah maybe i mean you know i guess we talk from a unique position here because we've actually got a full-blown mac app and an ipad app um, and we're one of the very, very few companies that actually has that. Um, if you're an iPad app only company, then I guess this is all kind of good news, you know, and, and like, you know, for example, I don't know, you know, potentially for say Procreate to start running on a Mac um, without them having to do too much work. I guess that's a good thing for them. Mm. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of talk from a unique position where we've already got a, a full blown OSX app. And <laughs> You've already done app. all the work. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ashley, that's been uh, well. We've been we've done over an hour, uh, and thank you very much for coming on. I think you've been uh, you know you've been very open, and uh, you know thanks for talking to us. And uh, I, I will just say, um, at the moment, I believe you have um, you have a launch sale, do you not, on Designer for iPad? I think we do. Well, in fact, we to to sort of celebrate the launch in uh, totally, we've got a sale across all of our apps um, and our workbooks on our site at the moment. So it's on affinity.serif.com um, and everything's 30% off. Um, and of course, in particular, uh, that's focused around Affinity Designer for iPad, which is currently only £13.99, obviously with no subscription. Look at that. What a bargain. Bargain. <laughs> Blimey. Three pints of beer. Not 13.99. Yep. Normal yeah. price is 19.99, I believe. So there you go. I almost, I almost feel bad now. I was about to start begging for a freebie, but stop that. I'm going to go buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kick me off. To... <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, Ashley, obviously you've plugged your site. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, you know, do you have a do you uh, do a serif Twitter or Facebook well, group or any such thing? 
all the usual, usual channels are um, at Affinity by Serif. Uh, so that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Fantastic. So by all means, I'll do that plug as well. Jolly good. Well, thank you, uh, Ashley. Um, and I will just say, uh, Mark, do you want to do the... Uh... The social bit? Yeah, you can follow us on, well, my Twitter thingy at the moment is at Ocean Speed. We have the Twitter at Essential Apple and we've got the Facebook page that we're going to be looking to update as well. And of course, you can find us over at EssentialApple.com where we will have a link to them and this very, very podcast, but you've probably already found the podcast by now. But from a non-designer, from a person who basically just wants to be able to move text around on the screen, line things up, it is not. it, it has saved me. Oh, God, I'm going to sound like an infomercial. <laughs> I am not a designer. I know nothing, Jon Snow. But even I have been able to go, you know what? That doesn't actually look half bad. And once you get into it, once you start tinkering, as long as you've got some free, you know, as long as you've got a bit of a creative outlet in you, and believe me, I don't. I, ju- I actually prefer it to my lifelong affiliation with Adobe for doing a heck of a lot of things. And for a lot of jobs, it's even taken over from, I, I, I don't want to say the other mater of the Pixel company because I like that app as well. But yes, kudos to you, sir, for releasing such a good app on both Mac and iPad. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> There, nothing will. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. So, as Mark said, we are on the Twitters as at Essential Apple. We are on the web as uh, EssentialApple.com. I am on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S E R E N A K. And this has been a special edition of the Essential Apple podcast with Ashley Hewson of Serif Affinity. And thank you very much. Goodbye, everybody. Ta-da. See you later. Cheers. Something really unusual this week in Nemo's hardware store. It's an iPhone case, but not any iPhone case. Keep listening. The company is called Hitcase. H-I-T-C-A-S-E. Hitcase.com. They make cases for all the iPhones. Today we are concerned with the Hitcase Shield Link. For the iPhone X or 10 cost $90 in the US. They have two other models for the iPhone 10. We will discuss at another time. You can see links for all three on the website we will provide at hitcase.com. The other two are Hitcase Pro for $100 and the Hitcase Creo, C-R-I-O, for $30. The Creo is a basic case. The Pro is a heavy-duty case with rails for connecting to GoPro type accessories and the one we are recommending today and are discussing is the Hitcase Shield Link comes in two colors black or a fleshy pink it's a full body waterproof drop proof everything proof protection comes with two different clear membrane covers that are capacitive touch one for most conditions typical hiking whatever normal life and the other a special water cover if you're going to go diving and you need that extra extra seal protection very easy to install your phone insert it in there and to replace the cover with very very good snug waterproof dust proof drop proof seals works fine with my chi qui wireless iphone 10 charger that i reviewed a couple of weeks ago from witty design called the candy c-a-n-d-i Phone charges up just great through the case. All the ports are accessible as you would expect. 
There's a flap to cover up the lightning port input so that it doesn't get ruined if your case happens to get wet. Clear glass on the back covering both of the lenses in the iPhone 10, so there's no distortion or aberration when you're taking pictures. But the best thing about it is the accessory lenses. It's a protect everything, go everywhere case. Okay, so far so good. Worth $90. Then you follow the next link to the True Lux Lens Bundle. $100 US. T-R-U-E-L-U-X Lens Bundle. Take your photography to the next level with three lenses. A super wide, a wide, and a macro. The wide doubles the width of the viewing that you normally get with your iPhone 10. The macro is a 3x magnification, so everything is three times larger than real life. And the super wide or ultra wide is almost a fisheye. It's very, very, very round and inclusive. You'll have to look up pictures that people have done in order to see some of the examples, but you get the basic idea. Lenses are very sturdy, robust, well-crafted. How do they attach to the hit case? They are magnetized. This is better and different than any manufacturer I've had from Olo Clip or anybody else. You remove it from its little rubber protection that goes on the lens elements, and you just literally set it on either one of your standard or 2X lens placements on the back of the hit case, and you start taking your pictures. It is that easy. You can even use them underwater. So if it sounds too good to be true, it is not. We are impressed with the Trulux iPhone lens kit for the iPhone 10 hit case shield link. There are many other features and advantages of this case system for other attachments. I'm not going to discuss that today. Other people can deal with that on podcasts, websites, and reviews. I just want to introduce you to the amazing lenses and the great protection you get for a reasonable amount of money to protect your ultra-expensive, ultra-valuable iPhone 10. Two things to be aware of. The knob on the side that turns the speaker on and off takes a while to loosen up or to soften up. It's a little bit stiff and tricky at first. So just be aware of that to turn your mute phone off or on. And the hole at the bottom in the case where the lightning cable comes in to charge up your phone is just the right size for the Apple lightning tip, but it's too small for many third-party lightning adapters and tips that I have tried so far. Those are the only things to be aware of that are possible negatives, but the positives so far outweigh it. So have a look, find out what it costs in your country, start saving and protect your iPhone 10. And remember, they do make cases for all the other phones. So go to hitcase.com and check them out. Nemo's Hardware Store, back next week. This has been the Essential Apple Podcast, and uh, I'd just like to say that uh, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, go over to EssentialApple.com 
and you can take a look at the Patreon or the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can either make a single donation or you can make a, a regular subscription and all the money that you donate will go towards paying for the things like hosting and better microphones and such like. And of course, a very special thank you to those of you who already do support the show. We really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. We are part of the MyMac Podcasting Network, where you can find such shows as Tech Fan with Tim and Dave, MyMac with Guy and Gaz, The Three Geeky Ladies, The Geekiest Show Ever, uh, The Excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, The Club Nintendo, um, and probably some that I've forgotten. So why not head over to MyMac.com, download a show, and take a listen. Looking for a podcast to get your geek on? Then listen to my favorite ladies' podcast, The Three Geeky Ladies. Join Alyssa, Suze, and Vicky as they discuss tech products and other topics that caught their attention. The Three Geeky Ladies podcast on the My Mac Podcasting Network. Central Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.